Welcome to the Fordham IPLJ podcast with, uh, I guess it's your former online editor now, <laughs> Anthony Zangrillo, because this is recorded in the summer. You know, we're studying for the bar. I'm here with, what was it, senior, former senior, it's an articles <laughs> editor. That's right. Right? Yeah. Hey. Joey Gerber. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me talk about this with you. I've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast, so it's cool to uh, actually be on it. No, we were trying to set this up for like a while. I know, like in the beginning of like January, we were thinking of doing this, but then it said, "Why not just wait for you know the whole opinion to come out?" So right. now we're here in June, right? And this is about Natal versus Tam. And it's one of the most important First Amendment free speech cases to come along in many years, according to one of our professors, Professor <laughs> Hugh Hansen. So he wrote an amicus brief on um, this case when I was taking the class with him. So that's why we had a lot of exposure to this issue. And it's really about uh, registering a trademark that is deemed disparaging. And is this unconstitutional? So Joey, why don't you give a little bit of a summary of the decision? Um, well, so to give you some background, <clears throat> what happens uh, is when you re- when you apply to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to register a trademark, the Patent and Trademark Office will throw you through the loop, the loop, the hoops, and um, they may refuse your registration. So uh, Simon Tam and his band applied to register their band name, which is the Slants, um, which is a disparaging term for Asian Americans, and the band is itself comprised of Asian Americans. And their hope was that they could kind of turn around the meaning of this word and make it a, a positive, uh, have, have some positive connotation. Oh, wait, interjection at one point. Name one of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, can't do that. I was thinking of looking them up, actually, and checking out their music, but I you know, just got so wrapped up in the poetry that is this decision. <laughs> um, you know, it's not poetry, I guess, their music. But, no, I, look, I, I can't do Have you stones. listened to, I haven't heard their songs I, yet. So, I know earlier this semester, they went on, like, a law school tour. Oh, they would go to all these different law schools, and it'd probably be the most interesting symposium in the world, because you would have them talk about this case, but then they would do a concert. <laughs> that sounds like a plus to me. That does. But, you know, I, I, mean, don't, I don't think they're the most popular band in the world. If you're going to have to listen to people talk about legal stuff, you should get some music after it anyways. That's true. We're going to have some music at the end of this? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> find a snippet of their song and play whatever is uh, allowed under fair use laws. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyways, so uh, they the Slants tried to register their their mark, their band name, the, the Patent and Trademark Office rejected their application because they said that um, it is disallowed under the Lanham Act Section 2A, which prohibits registration of marks that are, uh, quote, disparaging. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> uh, Simon Tam took this all the way up to the Supreme Court, saying that that provision of the Lanham Act is unconstitutional and a, a violation of the First Amendment. And... Um, that leads us to the decision that we got just uh, last week. And for people, you know, don't really know Tam, don't really know the slants, this case also comes up with uh, the Washington Redskins. Yes. So they wanted to even join um, this appeal. Yeah. Right? And I think they wrote they wrote probably an amicus on this I one, think I they think. did as well, yeah. But and so thing... did the other side of the Redskins, oh, which yes. is yeah. um, Hario and... Uh, that side because the whole idea is 
that that title Washington Redskins would be disparaging to Native Americans, mm-hmm. and this is going to be a very interesting, you know, decision to see how it results in that case. Right. It seems like it basically is protecting the use of right. the Washington Redskins. Yeah, it's funny too because that's the the Washington Redskins is the story that's getting all the publicity. Of course, even. Even in light of this decision, I remember seeing the news. There was an article that came out, and the headline was that the Redskins had won a big, <laughs> big victory in a case that didn't even involve them. And I'm like, guys, this isn't about the Redskins yet. Yes, it is kind of related to the Redskins, but <laughs> new segment on uh, final episodes. A new segment, shots fired. I know Davy Page views. Barstool Sports better be watching what those uh, interns there are doing because they're the ones that said that. <laughs> they said, like, Redskins win Supreme Court case. And it's like, technically, no. I guess that's true, though. I'm sure they're having a party right now in right. wake of this decision. Right. But I was looking at it. I think the most offensive thing was they referred to it as a copyright case. Yeah. <laughs> so Nothing um, drives me mad. more crazy than when I see that. But so anyway, so the Supreme Court said, uh, yes, Simon Tam, you are correct. You and your band are entitled to register your trademark. And that section of the, uh, of the Lanham Act um, is, in fact, unconstitutional. But it was a very narrow, very, very narrow holding. It only referred to that word disparaging. There are other words in that section that we'll probably talk about um, later. Um, <clears throat> but what, uh, one, one really interesting thing about it is that there were several different bases for making this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, while they, it was a unanimous decision, it was uh, yes. Judge Gorsuch didn't participate in it, so it was eight, eight to nothing, um, in favor of finding uh, a violation of free speech. But there were really three different bases for these. Um, the most important takeaway was they said that the. Uh, Trademark registration is not government speech, which I think was a long shot to begin with. Um, They said that the trademark office uh, procedures amounted to viewpoint discrimination, but they didn't say whether or not um, trademark registration or the use of trademarks amounts to commercial speech or not. Um, And they decided they didn't really need to answer that question because... um, it was unconstitutional just on the grounds of viewpoint discrimination. Well, now, what is that issue? Because I saw that. I thought it was interesting. What do they actually mean by that? What would that ruling have an effect on if they said right. trademarks were only commercial speech? I could think of one thing where that could be really problematic. So it all boils down to what level of uh, constitutional scrutiny you're going to apply mm-hmm. to uh, potential violations of free speech. Um, <clears throat> if you, because they took this this viewpoint discrimination road, um, anything, anytime the government favors one viewpoint or over, over another, the Supreme Court and any court is going to apply what's called strict scrutiny, mm-hmm. which um, means that the government rule or procedure needs to be narrowly tailored um, to meet a very compelling government interest. And essentially, at the end of the day, that's what the Supreme Court said that the Lanham Act did not do. Mm -hmm. Um, However, if you determine that the speech at issue is um, not expressing a viewpoint, but it's commercial speech, you are subject to a lower uh, standard. Instead, you just have to show, um, again, narrow tailoring, but only to, uh, I think, a a substantial um, 
or an important government interest, which is not as as high as a compelling government he interest. He will be passing the bar, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I, I get so, but, that, but the, and the thing about that was uh, so a number of the justices on the Supreme Court said even if you applied that lower standard, they still wouldn't meet the test. Yeah. So it kind of became a moot issue at some point. Um, but I like that they covered both bases because they're le- it leaves no room to get around this argument now. Trademarks, whether you consider them expressive speech or commercial speech or commercial speech with expressive elements, no matter what, yeah. you're not passing either intermediate scrutiny or strict scrutiny. Um, and, you know, few few laws do pass strict yeah, scrutiny. Yeah, the burden so. is also on the government. There. That's right. why rational basis is so easy, you know, for the government to win because it's burdens on the, you know, person injured. Um, but no, I was thinking of it in terms of you know, got to plug the note for the one of the last times. But, <laughs> you know, like, they always use trademarks for the product placement in an artistic way. Yeah. So if you said, like, it was purely commercial speech, remember, they're trying to say films were, like, purely commercial, which is crazy. Right. right. Uh, it was with, I think, Dark Knight Rises because they did a website that was really, you know, just promoting the movie. But... It's creating its own world, like on the website. Somebody can just go to the website and, you know, explore Gotham City or something like that. You really have an argument. It's not purely commercial. I think usually the mixed argument is like just a cop out and what you're going to say. Like if they actually had a ruling, I don't think they would go, it's purely artistic because some of them aren't. But we know some trademarks. Yeah. Look at look at all the Covefe uh, applications <laughs> right now. I don't know if that's artistic. Oh man. But, uh, <laughs> but it, no, it's an interesting question because you can see arguments on both sides. On one hand, the Patent and Trademark Office is a division of the U.S. Department of Commerce, so that tells you right there, okay, this is this is this is regulating commercial activity, and that's really what trademarks are supposed to do. Because you get a trademark to protect your goodwill in the goods and services that you are providing. Um, in commerce so yeah it's commercial but the slants are a good uh, example of when using a trademark can be something that's more than just commercial they're, yes. they're trying to send a message they're they're clearly it's some kind of expressive content and <clears throat> if you look at the spectrum of trademarks that um, are registrable i won't go into detail but you have trademarks that are like very generic on one end and trademarks that are very um distinctive on the other end and in the middle you have what's called suggestive trademarks because they suggest something they don't just give you the name of their product they they give you a feeling that you're supposed to have about the product or some kind of inference that you're supposed to make about the product so that the very fact that that's built into the way we think about trademark law means that it's not quite as easy of a question as you think about i think it is and it was probably too complicated to answer in this case and they didn't they didn't really need to since they could just rely on that viewpoint discrimination and just say, well, it's a non-issue. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it could have had like large ramifications for you know, trademark law in general, mm-hmm. which they don't want to do that. Well, and it's interesting now too because some some commentators um, have written about this now the decision has come out saying that they might still have some large ramifications for trademark law. Um, one of the arguments they're making is in dilution law, mm-hmm. um, which is a subset of trademark law. Um that is really just meant to protect um, trademark owners from other trademark users that have trademarks that are not necessarily confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> this whole provision, Section 2A, that dealt with the slants, all had to do with confusing issues. Um, but in the case of dilution, you're not dealing with, with that. So the question <clears throat> becomes, does this uh, free speech right run up against um, a trademark owner's dilution rights? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I, I, my opinion is that it doesn't. I know Professor Hansen agrees with that. Yeah. Um, and, but some other people have said that uh, there's potential conflict there. I think when you look at the law, the dilution law, it's a bit more focused. Um, it's aiming to protect something a little more tangible than just whatever uh, might be disparaging to yeah. a random subset of people. Um, so it's, you know, it's more... <clears throat> uh, Tangible, I See, guess. My, my opinion on the free speech right is, in this case, I think, like, I don't like the disparaging argument, because like what you're saying, it has to be that subset of people, and a lot of times, other people are bringing it on behalf of the, the, the so-called disparaged people. Right. So that's, I think, the Redskins case shows that, where it's like, no one actually found it really disparaging within right. the community itself. Right. Um, now, I see the arguments there how it could be definitely seen as disparaging. Right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't walk up to a Native American and call them a redskin to their face, but that's just you, me. Wait, 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 here's my, here, wait, here's a good hypo on this, though. <laughs> yeah. Would you wear a redskin shirt, like, to somebody, let's say, let's say you have a friend, right? Yeah. He's Native American. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say a name. I'm just going to say you have a friend. Okay. <laughs> it's Bob. His name's Bob. <laughs> you go up to Bob and you got you're all decked out. You know, the Redskins just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I can't That's never gonna happen. I'm kidding. No, but um so let's say they did really well or whatever it is. Yeah. You deck all decked out. Would you feel like that would disparage him? I by well, you that's... just wearing it, not calling him that. Right. Because that's a whole nother argument too. Other than that? Yeah, that's a totally different argument. And that's part of the thing that they're trying to, or that's the argument the government made, was that if you allow registration of, of terms like that, then these people who are disparaged by these terms are going to suddenly have to be confronted by these terms in the marketplace, as though they can't handle encountering an offensive word when they're out on the street. Do you know how many times I hear an offensive word on the street? Like, every day. Here's a good one. <laughs> what if, what if um, like, the Jersey Shore... Got all these trademarks, and then some of the stuff they used to say on there, they trademarked their phrases. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's disparaging my Italian heritage. <laughs> People are like thinking about what GTL is, how I live. I'm not fighting this. So it's like, that's the problem that you could have many broad, you know, disparagements. I mean, well, Professor Hansen had a really, uh, really good line, if I can find it really quick. Um, he's. He said something, oh, politically, political correctness has become the new tribalism. Oh, yes, yeah. <clears throat> um, so it's essentially the government's position was, we only want happy talk. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let you get registrations as long as you're saying positive things. But that's not the way... That's not... Yeah, that's not... <laughs> that's not why the marketplace of ideas works. That's not why we have free speech. The idea is the marketplace will bring out the most compelling... Um, argument for whatever the issue is, and, but we have to allow all the arguments in, even if they're politically incorrect. So um, while I wouldn't wear a Redskin shirt, to answer yeah. your question, and why I, while I wouldn't say that to someone's face, um, 
I think it's still important to be able to have the right to do so yes. if that's what you want to do. Voltaire argument. So, yeah. That's really what this case boils down to, yeah. is it's a, it's a win for free speech. Um, and that's something everyone should be excited about. It's even. a win for free speech, but really the whole thing is, this case, let's go legal realism, you're bringing up Hanson. <laughs> right. This case is sympathetic. Because he's reclaiming the name. Oh. He's reclaiming it. It's a really good point, yeah. So, like, that's the whole thing. It's not like, you know, any NFL team, we know they're all evil. Right. We've heard all the stories about how they, like, shake down cities for, like, you know, tax grants for the stadiums and stuff <laughs> like that. So, you know, they're just trying. They know they have this trademark. Like, the logo has, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, goodwill, I guess, um, in the community. Some kind of will. So, you know, <laughs> they want to sell this merchandise. They want to put it all over the place. It is somewhat of a different interest. I mean, yeah. Devil's Advocate is the fan that like like lived with them for so long. Yeah, like identifies with that. I I understand. I was just touring Madison Square Garden this morning. You know, trying to sell me on those season tickets, <laughs> trying to get me on that. I'm like, already I'm at, I'm at this level that you guys are like coming. In. You're either really desperate or I made it. I don't know which one. Maybe. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's uh, an interesting aspect of it for sure because the slants are really the good guys here. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine them losing this case because they had a good cause. Yes, the Redskins. Uh, I don't know that their cause you could say is a good cause. No, but I don't know that you'd necessarily say their cause is a bad cause either. Um, except unless you go and ask the people that are suing them, they they definitely tell you that. Because there's no, because it's funny. Like there's no, I guess there's no estoppel arguments with any of these cases. Because how long has the Redskins been around? A while, and actually, yeah. there's this is in the second round of litigation, and the first yeah. the first round lost essentially. No, I'm not, I'm not even mean that. Yeah. I just mean the logo itself. Oh yeah, right. No, how old is, no. is this team? And like no one's now. I don't. I don't think. It's not moot, so like it is continuing. So that's why I guess you wouldn't be a stop or like you know, for uh, for our non-legal people, they're prevented from uh, suing on the issue. Right. But it, it's just interesting, right? That like, I don't I don't know the exact years. I feel like it must be like forty or fifty. It's at least like I think that. it's around the sixties or so when they got their registration. But I could be yeah. getting that wrong. But so. yeah, no, that's one of the things about trademark laws. You can use your you can lose your rights. Uh, in your trademark, you lose at, it if you don't use it at any time. True. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely true. But you can lose it at any time. So it's. Um, but you know, the, the reality of the situation with the Redskins is that they'll probably win now because they've said that disparaging is unconstitutional, um, and the Patent and Trademark Office has said that there are other words in this section um, of the Lanham Act, in, uh, the private registration. Marks that are disparaging, but also ones that are scandalous or immoral. Um, the immoral section has kind of already been ruled out because of a case that happened several decades ago. But scandalous is still alive and well. But the Patent and Trademark Office said that they will consider um, scandalous marks to be governed by whatever the decision is handed down in TAM. And now that we have the decision in TAM, it looks like scandalous marks aren't <clears throat> going to be constitutional or the prohibition of registering scandalous marks is going to be unconstitutional as well. But the Patent and Trademark Office reserved the right to challenge that later on, so we could be seeing more litigation um, in that area. So yeah, on the issue of like scandalous marks, it seems like you can't restrict the trademark. 
there. So that's why I guess the PTO should follow like this ruling. Because in the past, fine, we had more of a, like you were talking about the moral standard. Yeah. So I feel like that's how scandalous was judged even like back then. But now you like can't do that. How many businesses are legal, but like in a questionable area, like let's say like adult entertainment mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Definitely you, a scandalous industry and your trademarks might be scandalous just by the nature of being in that industry. Exactly. But do we judge what's scandalous based on the industry that you're in? Like, it's all subjective is the problem. Yes. Who's supposed to make that determination? There's so many examiners of the Patent and Trademark Office, then it boils down to you got one that's in favor of your mark and one that's not. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's part of the reason why you got a lot of inconsistent results. One of the arguments that was made early on in this uh, this own case, and it was made against again in the Redskins case, was that the Patent and Trademark Office, Patent and Trademark Office is inconsistent because you have so many different examiners; they can't apply this law consistently. Yes. Who's to say what's immoral? Who's to say what's scandalous? Who's to say what's disparaging? And even if you figure out who's to say that, why should we listen to their opinion? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It creates like a forum shopping incentive because you're going to think about which you know court is going to say what, which right. you know uh, circuit. Right. Does this judge kind of think this way on this issue? I think that even, and I don't want to like blast anyone, but I heard that happen in the Redskins case. Probably that was like in from the area, one of the, you know, those courts saw more of the value of that trademark and maybe like the symbolism behind it Mm -hmm. rather than just being something from like a bygone era or something of that. Right. Um, I mean, look, if you were to bring a suit involving this section of the Lanham Act in California, I bet they'd be much more favorable to registering disparaging or scandalous marks because California, after all, houses the porn industry. They're okay with that. So, you know, maybe it'd be good to bring suit there, but maybe it wouldn't be such a good idea to bring suit in Indiana or uh, somewhere else. Maybe somewhere down in the Bible Belt. Probably wouldn't be a good idea. Hopefully they would see it as disparaging, though, in those areas. <laughs> That's the thing, you know. They don't just say, I don't see what the problem is. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's that's like the really interesting thing, which maybe why that's an eight o it's an eight o decision is that you have let's say like liberal defenders of First Amendment rights, but at the same time you have um, like let's say the uh, politically incorrect, mm-hmm. you know, defenders of being politically incorrect mm-hmm. kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Like it usually it's going like really head to head, almost kind of thing that you wouldn't see. A lot of like, let's say, the liberal defenders of the First Amendment protect something that could be seen as disparaging. Right. But maybe that like, I feel like like you know, um, the Supreme Court always understood this, and most judges probably did. But we'll see how much this um, opinion is getting ramifications more on like, let's say, the non-legal person, just like in society. Let's say um, the, you know, what do they call it? The, like, colleges that coddle. Oh. You know, like the safe spaces. <laughs> yes, yeah, safe spaces. And, like, all that stuff. Totally. That is something of this nature going to have ramifications on that level that they kind of understand more about what First Amendment means. That the history class wants to talk about World War II, they don't have to give, like, a notice 
the day before saying, would you like to skip this class? You know, it's a little sensitive issue. It, I mean, sure, it's a sensitive issue, but it's history. You should learn it right. kind of idea. That's what I think this is kind of touching upon a little bit. Yeah. That you can do something that's inspiring. Like, we, mm-hmm. like in our, our Twitters are obviously blowing up. You know, we're following all the different, you know, IP professors and <laughs> law firms and whatnot. It's a I crazy wonder... Twitter account, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I wonder outside, like, is the, are the general masses, like, paying attention to this decision? And do they understand it? Maybe. You know? It's going to feel like it's going to be a lot of media coverage with the eventual Redskins appeal. Right. Once the once we get a real ruling on the Redskins, then it'll probably get more coverage um, for sure. But I think it's a good thing for all the reasons you're saying. And Professor Hansen said this in his um, in his blog post, too. He said, you know, the environment that we have right now is, is essentially where it's it's you, you have free speech when you're within your group that accepts your viewpoint. But the second you step out of, outside of it, all of a sudden people don't care about free speech so much anymore. And when you're saying things that they don't agree with, and that's not how it's supposed to be. It's yeah. supposed to be you're going to get free speech no matter what, even if you're saying something that's politically incorrect, even if you're saying something that I disagree with. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, that's what's underlying this this case, really, is about having the right to say the things you want to say, even if you know they run the risk of offending somebody. Um, so that's, you know, it's a big takeaway that has ramifications in every area, not just trademarks. It's, but it's about time it comes home to trademarks because it's been decades now they've been operating under this law. It's, what's amazing to me is that it took this long to get rid of this. Well, what was like the, you know, past decisions? Like they normally wouldn't give registration to these marks or would they just give registration and then let's say if the government appealed it, well, I guess nobody would even appeal it in that case. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. the, there was, I don't totally know the answer, uh-huh. to tell you the truth. Um, I think as a general rule, they wouldn't get registration and most people just wouldn't bother with it. They wouldn't yeah, appeal right. with it. I think also part of the problem is not a lot of people were applying for trademarks that were like this, with curse oh. words, just for, you know, realistic reasons. It's like a different if you're putting now. Well, no. If you're putting if you're putting products on display to sell, you probably, as a merchant, probably don't want to be slapping curse words or politically incorrect things in your products because that's gonna that's not gonna do well for sales. Yeah. So when you're not doing that, you don't need protection for that, so they don't register that. So there was already a small subset of people that this applied to. Um, a lot of the things you saw when I was doing research on this before. Um, uh, several, actually, several years ago, because I was gonna, I was gonna write my own note about this oh. <laughs> until until this all blew so up into a thing. Political philosopher, <laughs> instead, right? Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but a lot of things that came up had to do with gay rights and um, and groups that were were doing exactly what the slants were doing. They were trying to take disparaging terms and flip them around, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the only group this really applies to because. A lot of other, you know, mainstream businesses don't really want to put those terms on there, which, again, is another argument why the government should have lost in this, because their whole argument that the the U.S. citizen is going to encounter these disparaging marks out in the marketplace is undercut by the fact that not a lot of people are going to do that. Yeah. Well, maybe they are. Maybe we'll see all of a sudden a flood of <laughs> a whole bunch of just 
terribly offensive trademarks and I kind of wish that would happen because that would just make shopping so much more exciting. I mean, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people just like register trademarks so they don't understand what they're actually doing. Like the Covefe thing shows it. People are just putting all this down. Right. Um, I, I feel like nowadays if you have like something that could be seen as scandalous or disparaging, it makes you like stand out in the marketplace and it's like Probably not on a national scale, but I could say like in New York City, as an example, mm-hmm. you'll always see something like that. Let's say even if you just go to like Whole Foods or like a, you know, supermarket or something like that, mm-hmm. there's like something weird, like mm-hmm. a weird name or something like that right. in one of the aisles. And it's like, sometimes they make, you know, their money by being that. Right. By, by being provocative. Provocative. Like the, um, you know. I don't know how you say it. You say it F-Chuck, F-C-U-K. Do you know that fashion line? No. Uh, yeah, you, obviously you know what they're trying to do, right? They're they just is this Kim Kardashian's line? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> um, but they they'll sell T-shirts and clothing and stuff, and it'll say the letters F C U K. And um, when your eyes first glance at it, you say, "Does some, is someone wearing a shirt that says that on it?" Uh, but it doesn't, and obviously it brings to mind that mark uh, or that word. But yeah. they've gotten trademark protection for that they've gotten registrations for that so again it shows the inconsistency of the patent and trademark office next thing i see somebody walking around with it on their shoes like who would do that <laughs> like you know that's like but um you know it, it's like i'm gonna do so i'm doing some research though i'm trying to see how we can um invalidate the trademark of big baller brand because they're selling these walmart T-shirts, fifty dollars. This is you know about this Levar Ball. No. And so Lonzo Ball just got drafted to the Lakers. Okay. And his father is basically a WWE heel because he's embraced his role. He just he willed it into existence that his son, the minute he was born, was going to be drafted by the Lakers. <laughs> but he's crazy. He went on um, Monday Night Raw yesterday because it was in the Staples Center. All of a sudden, this guy takes off his shirt. He's like, you know, 50, 60 years old or something like that. He's got like a six-pack. Oh, wow. And the thing I realized was these shirts are really trashy. Because (laughs) when he wears them, it looks like he's like fat. It doesn't look like he's in shape at all. That's hilarious. And he's selling these shirts for $50 based on just the brand. Yep. Big baller. Yep. I'll be a big baller. And that's not even talking about those shoes. They're like $500 or something like that. But, you know, Kanye West used to do that. And he might still do that. He had a line of clothing and one of his items was literally just a plain cotton t-shirt. $50? And no, it was like 100 bucks. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. That's not really I know all that relevant. But, when I saw <laughs> but that's pictures, what you're buying. That's... When I saw the pictures of, like, the Mad Max Apocalypse uh, fashion line or something like mm-hmm. that, I said, I think it may be true that he is actually bankrupt. Right. I didn't believe it until I saw that. And I was like, no one. Like, people, you know what I mean? Just say no one. People will buy that. But most of the community will not. Right. So, I don't know how you make money on it. Well, and, and to bring this all back around to, to trademarks and, and whatnot, when you're buying things like that, when you're buying t-shirts that are, uh, you know, you're buying them just for the brand, that's what trademark law is supposed to protect. It's that goodwill. It's the fact that people are going to buy your t-shirt even though it's just a plain white cotton t-shirt and you're selling it for 100 bucks Because it's associated with Kanye West, people mm-hmm. will buy that. Yeah. And that's what trademark law is supposed to protect. Goodwill. And the, and you know who has goodwill? The slants. Yeah. They have goodwill. 
even if now the market's disparaging. No, they had it before. They, if you <laughs> have it, you have it, you know. And um, and the Redskins, they have goodwill too. Although yeah. maybe it's maybe it's mediocre will. <laughs> but see. but you have it. And if you have it, you should get protection for it. But see, who has more goodwill though, the Redskins or the Slants? Oh, I don't. I, I mean, how are you? I don't know. Can you measure? Right? I mean, how do you measure goodwill in terms of like how many fans you have? Like, I'm measuring goodwill as like, hmm, I guess a little bit of like a recognition, right? Right. Within the community, like within the, I guess you could say, who's the community? Right. But they have like national goodwill, right? Kind of idea. I mean, like you know. I I actually shouldn't talk about the Redskins. I feel like I haven't heard any of them crazy things from their organization but <laughs> I, I really don't know i mean i know that yeah. uh but uh griffin is on that team right yeah yeah that was a good draft pick tilsy <laughs> 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 like, like manning every once in a while <laughs> but yeah no my my view is kind of radical my view is if you have goodwill you should get protection for it with exceptions and you know there are exceptions in in trademark law, this used to be one of them. Now it's unconstitutional, and I think that's a win. Okay, that's a good place to end it. So, yeah, this is going to be one of the final episodes. You on the first one of the final <laughs> episodes. Um, I know we're toying with a little bit of a Patreon idea. You, everybody's already listened to uh, some of Christina's uh, podcast. She's going to be the new online editor. Um, I definitely will be doing an episode with her. I don't know exactly where that's going to be uh, put up. Maybe put up on, you know, on here on iTunes or we're toying with maybe like a Patreon sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, I've had great fun, really enlightening to do um, all these podcasts this year. And it was, uh, seems like a great success, right? We got, this yeah. will probably be like the 30th episode maybe. Wow. I know there's a few lost episodes out there. We'll be coming up like you know, time machine thing. <laughs> like, after the bar, they'll just be, like, going up then. But, um, <laughs> it's the kind of powers we have. But, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'll still probably be, like, back on, you know, as a guest and stuff. Like, maybe Joey, too. Who knows? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, and this is fun. great. Like, whenever we have a Supreme Court IP decision, we got to talk about it. Well, not if it's patents, but... Might not happen again for a while. Although, maybe, you know, some people are saying... I know there was, like, a patents one that just happened. Yeah, just not patent stuff. Let's yeah, not, not do patents. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to people talk about patent law, anyways. Matt, Matt's gonna listen to this and just like stare us down. <laughs> but as the uh, you know, <laughs> all right, signing off. See ya.